Let's open our Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. I want to talk today about choices. Choices. And I want to say that you have a choice and that your choice matters. You have a choice and your choice matters. In fact, life is full of choices, isn't it? We, we have to make choices every day. How many choices did you make today already before you got here? You made a choice to come here. Or maybe someone who made it for you. God, I wish I wasn't here. Yeah, somebody decided for me. You know, when you fly with Southwest, they always say this, uh, you know, we realize that you have many choices, and we're glad you chose to fly with us. And, you know, life is full of choices, you know, what, there's so many, I think part of the problem is that in this life there are so many, at least in our country, we're so spoiled with so many choices. There, there are just a multitude of choices, and I think, I think that we're spoiled by that, but I also think that it kind of affects our thinking thinking that we should have a lot of choices about a lot of things. And we kind of roll that over into the spiritual realm as well. We should have all the choices that we, we want. But, you know, God makes it kind of simple for us. So the Bible has a lot to say about choices, and especially about the choice, the one choice that really, really matters. I want to, I want to say, too, though, that choices as... We all realize choices have consequences. Choices matter, and they affect things. Every choice has a consequence. Some consequences, it, it doesn't really matter, right? Some consequences, you know, I could get, I could, you know, I can go along with that if someone else makes a choice, and, or, or even I make a choice, and it isn't exactly what I wanted, but I can kind of deal with it. But some have much more serious consequences than others. That's just life, right? So if, if any of you are choosing right now to leave, go ahead and do that. I'm going to give you that opportunity. You can get up and everybody's going to watch you leave. And they're going to say, what kind of choice did that person just make? Choices. Let me read to you that what Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, uh, the president's wife, said. One's philosophy is not best expressed in words. It, ex- is, it, it is expressed in the choices one makes. So in the long run, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves, and the process never ends until we die. And the choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. The choices that I make are ultimately my responsibility. The choices. And then there's the choice, which we're going to look at. Let's look at verses 10 through 12 today. It says there, <clears throat> let's start in the middle of verse 10. It says, they perish... He's speaking about end times things, and we're picking it up here in the middle of verse 10. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We do pray that you would open our hearts and minds to understand. We choose to listen to you. We choose to open your word. Father, speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Notice 
what we're talking about here, and, and I, I talked about choices, and there are, like I said, a lot of choices in life, but there's one really, really important choice, and, and that's what I want to focus in on today. It says that they perished because they refused. They did not receive the truth. They refused to love the truth. And, and the choice that leads to eternal consequences is what he's talking about here today. It says they perish. We don't like to use that kind of language, but that's what he's saying here. We like it in John 3.16, which we will get to. But it says they perish because they refuse to love the truth. They made a decision at some point in time. Earlier in the book, it talked about being shut out from the presence of the Lord. And, and this idea of perishing is not annihilation. It's, it's being separated from the life of God for eternity. That's, that's what this word means. That's what the context of the Bible makes it very, very clear about. But I want to say to you from the very beginning of this message, we talk about perishing, but I want to say to you that this is not God's desire. This is not what God would have. You say, well, how can you say that? How do you know that? Well, because that's what the Bible says. Turn ahead a few pages to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. He's talking about prayer there, and he says this, This is good. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. He says God's desire is that, that all would be saved. Now, why doesn't he just make everybody be saved? Why doesn't he just save everybody and, and, and be done with it? Because he's given us what we call free will. He's given us a choice. What kind of choice would that be if, if we were forced to love one another? What kind of choice would that be if my wife, I said, you're going to love me because I tell you you're going to love me. I'm going to force you to love me. What kind of relationship would that be? This is good. pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And then he says how... How do we become saved? He says it right there. There's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is the way that bridges the gap. Peter talks about it too. We've quoted that before that, that the Lord says, it says that the Lord is not slow, speaking about the end time. He's not slow in keeping his promise. He said, but he's patient, not wanting anyone to what? perish. He doesn't, he doesn't delight in the death of the wicked, it says in Ezekiel. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but he gives us this free choice. Say, well, I've made that choice many, many years ago, and I want to encourage you in your choice. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to know that you made the right choice, and we'll, we'll talk about this. But John 3.16, I, I mentioned it last week because it's such an important verse. Remember I talked about the John 3.16 challenge? How many of you remember that? where the John 3.16 survey, where, where I'm looking and I'm trying to find avenues, opportunities to share with people. And so I tried it with one of my neighbors this week. I said to him, I said, do you know John 3.16? And he's about uh, 70. And he goes, I don't think I do know what that is. So you'd have to know my neighbor. I said, well... Yeah, I said, 
maybe if I quote it to you, you will know what it is. And so I quoted it to him. See, this is an absolute incredible opportunity. I'm going to try this with other people and see how it works. Because I'm always looking, how can I bring up the truth without just saying, hey, can you sit down? I want to witness to you. Right? So I I quoted uh, John 3.16. Of course, to quote it, you need to know what it says, right? You need to have it kind of up here and in here. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, I know what that is. And I talked to him about the fact that, you know, a lot of people don't know that anymore. That's why I'm asking the question. I'm just doing a survey. And he said, you're right. A lot of people don't know about that anymore. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. But it, but it, it brought up the truth, right? That God so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's kind of a mixture of King James and New King James and NIV. I learned it first in the King James Version. Whoever would believe in him would not perish. He says here they perish in 2 Thessalonians. They perish because they refused to love the truth. But whoever, whosoever believes, you see that, that open door, whosoever believes... Whosoever would come to him, they perish because they refuse to love the truth. The uh, NIV study Bible in the notes says this, their unbelief was willing and intentional. They decided, they made a choice. I don't want to hear that. I don't want the truth. Leon Morris, who was a a New Testament scholar, said this, God has no need of marionettes. You know what a marionette is? It's a puppet. He says he pays men the compliment of allowing them to live without him if they choose. But if they live without him in this life, they must also live without him in the next. So the choice we make in this life affects the next life as well. Choices matter, you see. You have a choice and your choice matters. The thing about this is is that God honors our choices And he gives us what we want. He won't force us. We can't, in the end, blame God. We can't blame him, in the end. Let me just quote to you from a few other verses in the book of Acts. It says that uh, Paul and Barnabas were speaking in Acts 13. He says, we had to speak the word of God to you first, but since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. They rejected the truth. Acts 14, it says, uh, Paul and Barnabas were speaking. The Jews were, it says, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. They refused. They rejected. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 19, but some of them became obstinate. Have you ever spoken to someone who was obstinate about truth? It says, they refused to believe and they publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them, and he took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. He went somewhere else. In Romans chapter 2, he says, but for, those who are, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. We, we make a choice to receive, accept, or reject and refuse. It's our choice. People say, well, you know, why would God send anybody to hell? 
You've heard that before. Well, he gives us the choice. He gives us the invitation. He gives us the opportunity to receive whoever will come. And we have a choice, and our choice matters to believe and accept and love the truth or refuse and reject. This thing about the truth, though, it's kind of interesting that, of course, in our society now, the truth has kind of become this moving target, right? The truth is whatever you think the truth is. Whatever you want the truth to be, that's what the truth is. But the Bible doesn't talk like that. The Bible says the truth is the truth. Now, are there certain things that there are gray areas and we're not quite sure about this, we're not quite sure about that? Yeah, maybe, but the truth about eternal life is very, very clear in the Bible. The truth about who God is, the truth about the, the creator that he gave his only begotten son is very, very clear. Very clear. The truth of the cross the truth of who, of who Jesus is and the word of God and what Jesus came to do. And so the truth is not a moving target. It's not whatever you think it is. And again, this idea about decisions where, you know, there's there so many choices and so many ideas and, and we can kind of make up our own idea about the cross. And we, we can make our own idea about salvation and our own idea about like what truth is in, in relation to heaven and hell can't do that. We can't do that. The choice is ours, but we need, to, we need to realize about the truth that the truth comes from God himself. And we're saved. That's what it says there. They, they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. By receiving the truth, we're saved. Acts 2, Paul, uh, Peter, excuse me, is quoting from the Old Testament. He says, whoever, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's open. It's an open invitation. Jesus himself said it in John chapter 6, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. That sounds like a pretty open invitation to me, does it not? Everyone who looks to the sun, not doesn't look around to this or that or any other thing. It's very clear. Look to the sun. To, for the human race, it's found in Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other avenue. There's no other kind of way to get there. Everyone who looks to the sun and believes in him. Now, I, I want to give you kind of the other side of this coin because it's kind of important because it's, you know, the whole picture of the scripture that, that we can't do this without his help. We can't do this without his help. We can't just say, well, I'm going to believe and I'm going to make the choice and, and it's all going to happen because of what I have done. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, let me read to you a few verses that kind of tell you that, that his direct involvement, God's direct involvement is absolutely crucial. It's essential. Because in the end, the reason being, in the end, he would get all the glory for it. You see, he would receive all the glory for our salvation. Not that, you know, well, I did this and I did that, and so therefore I'm saved. And, and look at all the things that I've done. And he says, you really haven't done anything. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says, He chose us in him before the creation of the world. Whoa. 
He chose us before the foundation of the world. He chose us. He had a, his hand on us, so he, he knew you. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, verses you know, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. And then he goes on to say, And this not from yourselves, some, from, sorry, this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Even the faith that we have to believe and trust in him, he, he has given us that faith. See, so in the end, we can't take any credit. John 6, Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. He said later in that chapter, That's why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. You see. Later uh, in, this, in this book of 2 Thessalonians, in verse 13, look ahead there. He says, But we all... We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. So God is intimately, directly involved in you and I coming to Him. So I'm not trying to confuse you. I just want to give you kind of the whole picture. Now, how these two things work together, I don't, you know, they have been debating it and talking about it for, for 2,000 years, basically. And my um, understanding is this, is that, that God has definitely got a part in this. But also, we, you and I, human beings, we have a part in it too. So whose part should I be worrying about? You know, that's, we get into trouble when we start worrying about God's part and we start trying to do his part, trying to get, you know, get him to do this and to do that. God knows what he's doing, and so we have to trust him in that. But, but you and I, the call for you and I, we need to worry about what I'm supposed to do, which is to trust him, which is to give my life and surrender to him, which is to choose the life that he offers to me. How does that all play out? I think when we get to heaven, we're going to know. We're going to have a clearer picture. We can talk about it. If you, want, if you want to talk with me about it uh, afterwards, I'd be glad to talk to you. But, but ultimately, God's in charge. God's in control. But you and I have to make a choice. You and I uh, have what we call responsibility, where we have to make a decision. He's not going to make it for me. He's not going to make it for you. He's not going to make it for your neighbor. He's not going to make it for your, your family member or somebody that you work with. They have to make it for themselves. It's our part to trust him, to choose life. Look at verse 11 there. He says this, that for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion. What's the reason? That, that they refused, that they rejected. You see, the consequences of making a decision. You have a choice, and your choice matters, and, and our decisions, our choices there are consequences that come. And in this particular verse, it tells us that because of their rejection, God sends them a powerful delusion that, that, that we are responsible for our choices. You know, it, it's not just this choice about eternal life and the eternal nature of man, but it, all the choices in our life, we're responsible. We, we, we've got to be held responsible. I think that's one of the things that's kind of fallen apart in our society, you know, we're not really responsible for our actions, for our choices anymore. 
No, we've got to be responsible. We need to be held responsible. And just because everybody else says it doesn't really matter, you and I as believers need to say, yes, it does matter. You have a choice, and your choice matters. Interesting, it says that God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. This delusion. There's, a, there's an idea that God, again, just gives, gives what we ask for. We want to believe the lie. We want to reject the truth. Well, he'll, he'll let us have it all and, and even more. It will give you the delusion. In Romans chapter 1, it says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They, they, they took one over the other. And then it says, in the following verses, it says that God gave them over. Like three times it says, so God gave them over. This is what their decision was. And so God gave them over. This is what you want. You can have it. And not only can you have it, but you can have it big time and kind of give them over into it. And, and a lot of that we see in our society today. God is giving us our society over to what we've been asking for. It's, it's frightening. It's scary. But as we've been seeing and in, in, in speaking about end times things, there's, it's not going to always be this way, and God will come. And God will make a change, and God will do what needs to be done. It's not going to stay this way forever. You can be, be sure of that. But God gave them over to what they wanted to do. Look at verse 12 there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. He said in, in uh, verse 10 that they, they refuse to love the truth. And now here in verse 12 it says that they have not believed the truth. They refuse it and they will not believe it. So what happens is this condemnation from rejecting and choosing not to believe. Not only not to believe, but have delighted in wickedness. I want you to turn with me to back to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Because we all know John 3.16, at least most of us here in this room. And, and uh, again, I want to I encourage you to ask your neighbors or, or friends if they know what John 3.16 is. Maybe they saw it at the, uh, if you watch football, see in the end zone, there's always some guy there holding up 316. Anybody see that? And uh, I asked my neighbor if he saw that. He says, no, I never saw that. Okay. Sorry. But we know John 316, but look at John 317. This is powerful. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Again, God didn't have a desire just to condemn everybody, but his idea is, and his heart is to save. That's what it said in verse 16. Because he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict, he said, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. That's what Paul is saying back in 2 Thessalonians 2, this, this condemnation. But not only that, 
He says that they have, they have not believed the truth, but they, they have delighted in wickedness. And that's what it's saying here in John chapter 3. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light, so they will not come to the light. Verse 20, everyone who, who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. For fear that his deeds will be exposed. Men love darkness instead of light. No, I don't want to come to the truth of the gospel of Jesus because, because I might have to change my life. Because I, you know what I'm involved in just will not fit in with what Many times is what they think the gospel, what they think the Bible talks about, what they think it's, it's saying, you know. Well, your life is going to be ruined. If you, if you become a believer, a Christian, your life's going to end, right? You're going to, you're going to be the most bored person on the planet. You're not going to have any more fun. Fun is over. You might as well say goodbye to it now. And you know what? I found that that is like actually the opposite of the truth. I, you know, my life became more real, more fun. I remember being at a party. Um, I had just become a believer. And I was at a party and one of my best friends were there. Best friends were there at the party. Not a believer. And he says to me, uh, oh, we got this trick. Now, if you take this, uh, you know, Quarter and you put it, you balance it on your nose, right? Any of you got a quarter? I'll show you how it works. Now. And you balance this coin on your nose, and then you kind of—they had a cup down below. And if you close your eyes and balance it, and then drop it, and if you get into the cup, then you get something, whatever it was, a long time ago. So my best friend said, "You, yeah, go ahead and try it." And so as soon as you put the coin on your nose and close your eyes, they dumped a whole cup of beer on your head. And I said, this is fun? And you're my best friend? And you know what? At that point in time, I realized, you know what? I don't need that kind of fun. I don't need that kind of reality. And I didn't need to go to those kinds of things anymore. And God opened up things for me that, that have been so real. And, and what God has done in my life, I can only speak from my perspective, has is, is been incredible. It's been awesome. Life. I have life now where I was walking in death. That's death back there, by the way. It's a living death. Men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil doesn't mean that I became perfect by any means, and, and God is still working in me, God is still working on me, but, but, but he brought life into to me, and he wants to bring life into us, but it's a choice. Do you, do you accept Jesus Christ? Have you looked to the Son? I know most of you in this room have done that, but maybe there's one or two of you that have never looked to the Son and trusted and believed in him, because that's where life really begins. You have a choice, and your choice matters. Somebody wrote this. Uh, People once bragged that all roads led to Rome. It was not true, of course. It is never true that all roads lead to the same destination. In life, we must choose our roads carefully and inquire as to their destination. And when we come to a crossroads, we must look for the signposts 
and make our choices wisely. We've got to choose carefully. You know, I think one of the things that I do, and, I, and I, I'm, as I get a little bit older, I'm like 45 now, uh, as I get a little bit older, I start to think a little bit like, well, what will the consequences be of that choice? And I'm still, I still do this kind of like, just make a choice. I'll just make a choice, and then, then it all goes bad. You go like, well, I wish I would have thought about that before I did that, before I said that, before I went there, before I made that choice, that decision. But, but they all have consequences, as I've been saying here, and, and choices matter. And so for us to think about, well, what, what does this choice involve? And think about carefully what, you know, if I, if I get involved with that particular thing, what is that going to open up? Well, how is that going to do? We can't know all the things. Of course we can't. But some stuff, just a little common sense. But this thing about Jesus, John 3.16, it says very clearly what the outcome is, what the end game is, what the destination is. It's heaven, eternal life. Very, very clear that whoever believes in him will not perish, what he's been saying here, but have eternal life. Very, very, very clear. A few scriptures I want to close with here. Psalm 119, verse 30, the writer says this, I have chosen the way of truth. I've chosen the way of truth. Psalm 119, verse 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30 says this, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. And he says, Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to His voice. Hold fast to Him, for the Lord is your life. Choose life, for the Lord is your life, He says. I like uh, Luke chapter 10, the story of Mary and Martha. You know that story? And Jesus was going to come and visit their house, and, and uh, Mary and Martha were kind of like getting ready, and, and that Martha, like, she was... She was like doing all this stuff, and the stuff needs to be done, but, but when Jesus was there, you know, Mary, he, she stopped, and she sat at Jesus' feet listening to what he had to say. And Martha said, you know, don't you, know, don't you care? Like, she's not even helping me or nothing. And Jesus said to her, Martha says, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. She chose. She made a choice, you know. There's a lot of stuff we can do in this life, but she made a choice to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he had to say. And he said, he said, it'll never be taken away from you. That will never be taken away from you. For you and I to make a choice each and every day to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he has to say. Absolutely crucial. That's part of life. Eternal life. Real life. One more scripture. Let's close with Joshua chapter 24. We're going to have communion. Let's turn back there together. Joshua chapter 24. Very familiar verse, but I want you to see it so you can read it for yourselves. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua, when you read the whole context, Joshua is almost is messing with the people a little bit. He's saying, nah, you can't do it. But, but this is his challenge. 
in Joshua chapter 24, and he's near the end of his life, and he's kind of wanting to pass on what he knew, what he had. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know that part. But it was a challenge. He says, choose this day. Make a choice. You have a choice. You and I have a choice, and our choice matters. I wonder about you. Have have you made the choice? We're going to have communion now. We're going to pass out the elements, and and then Dan's going to share with us a little bit and pray together. But I want to take, we're going to have a little quiet time here while we're passing the things out, and and uh, really kind of cement in your own heart and mind that the choice that you have and hopefully the choice that you have made, but you can always make that choice right here, right now, to look to the Son and trust and believe in Him. And you'll have eternal life. Whoever believes in God's only begotten Son will not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And as we come and, and take a, a few quiet moments to contemplate, to think about the choice that we have, about the choice you've given us to, to receive or reject, to trust or refuse. Simple. There's not, a lot, there's not a whole bunch of choices like at the shelf in the supermarket here in our country. It's very simple. You've made it simple for us. And so, Lord, uh, many in this room have made that choice to look to the Son, look to Jesus as the only hope for eternity. And maybe there's some here today, Lord, that, that are contemplating it or they just never have taken time to think about it. And today is the day they would turn to you and say yes. I trust you. I believe you. I look to the cross where you died for the sins of the human race. That you were buried, that you rose from the dead. Father, let this day, let this day be a day of new life. I pray for each of us as well, even those that, are, that have been walking this path of following Jesus for many, many years, that we would make good choices wise choices. We'd think about things before we jumped. And God, you'd help us to make those choices based on truth, based on your truth. Fill our hearts and minds with the scripture, the word, that that we could make those wise choices. Help us today, Lord, and even now as we quiet our hearts before you and partake of communion. In Jesus' name, amen.